This is Finding Center, a daily half hour of spiritual focus. Today on Finding Center, the theme is thankfulness. Rex E. Lee, the president of Brigham Young University, when this devotional was given, gave his address entitled Overcoming Ingratitude. There is a story, uh, probably apocryphal, of an aging widow who eked out a meager living by selling soft pretzels on a busy street corner for 30 cents apiece. And each morning, a businessman passed her corner on his way to work. He had no taste for pretzels, but he wanted to help the person who sold them. So each morning, he would give her the 50 cents and simply not take a pretzel. One morning, After the man had performed the daily ritual and was walking away, the woman called him back. He said, I know what you want. You're wondering why it is that I never take my pretzel. She replied, I couldn't care less about that. That's your business. I just want you to know that the price has gone up 75 cents. In the mid-1970s, I was the head of the Civil Division of the United States Department of Justice. Together with about 300 other lawyers, we handled the broad range of civil lawsuits brought either by or more frequently against the United States. One of the issues with which we dealt during that time was the nationwide effort in the fall of 1976 to provide a vaccine against what most experts predicted and their predictions eventually turned out to be correct, would be a severe epidemic of swine flu that would affect the country during the ensuing winter. The government's medical experts predicted that millions would, in fact, benefit from the vaccine. But they also predicted that with virtual certainty, there would be a handful of people who would become quite ill, and some would even die, not from the flu, but from the vaccine. Some of these people, they also predicted, would certainly sue the government, and past experience indicated that the resulting judgments might be substantial in amount. And for these reasons, there was a large debate in which I participated within the government as to whether the predictable assistance to millions of people was justified in light of the large amounts the government might have to pay in damage judgments. During the course of one of those deliberations, I expressed to my governmental colleagues the following thought. This problem exists only because of the government's humanitarian effort to save possibly millions of its citizens from serious illness, and in some cases, death. The United States of America is under no obligation to supply this vaccine. And yet here we are anticipating an apparently predictable consequence in which some of the very people we are trying to help will then turn around and sue us because of our good Samaritan generosity. And then I asked the question that caused such amazement among the dozen or so other participants at that meeting. Wouldn't you think that someone in this fair land of ours Maybe even one who had an adverse reaction to the vaccination would say, you know, I really appreciate what the government is doing for me. Looking out for my health and going to great and 
unrequired effort and expense to help me and many others cut down our chances of sickness or death. In short, I asked, shouldn't somebody be saying, thank you for doing your best, rather than, this better work or I'll see you in court. I'll never forget my colleagues' responses to those questions. They ranged from facial expressions reflecting unmistakable incredulity to verbal utterances, including such words as naivete, lack of sophistication, and the one I remember best. That's what you get when you take some kid from the Rocky Mountains and ask him to handle the government's litigation. The common feature of these two stories is, of course, gratitude. Or perhaps more accurately, lack of gratitude. Today I want to share some thoughts with you concerning why gratitude is so important, why it is so neglected among all members of society, and whether there are any positive steps that we can take to enhance our consciousness and our practice of this particular virtue. There can be no doubt that gratitude is one of the great human accomplishments and ingratitude one of the great human failings. Scriptures, both ancient and modern, are very clear on this subject. President Benson has stated it so well, and this is a quote. The crime of ingratitude is one of the most prevalent, and I might say at the same time one of the greatest, with which mankind is afflicted. That's the end of the quote from President Benson. Similarly, President Hinckley has observed that absence of gratitude is the mark of the narrow, uneducated mind. It bespeaks a lack of knowledge and the ignorance of self-sufficiency. The psalmist, in the 100th Psalm, put the basic proposition with characteristic simplicity and beauty. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And in more modern times, the Lord revealed the same truth to Joseph Smith. And he who receiveth all things with thankfulness shall be made glorious. In short, it is not open to any serious doubt that, as President Romney said about 11 years ago, the virtues of gratitude have been widely extolled and the sinfulness of ingratitude has been just as widely condemned, and I would add to that, and properly so. Let me tell you about two of our students from whom, over the past year, I've learned important lessons about gratitude. You'll recognize both of them. They're both members of our men's basketball team, John Fish and Sean Lindquist. In the past 15 months, neither of them has had quite as much playing time as he probably would have liked. And at different times over that period, I've asked each of them how he handled this challenge emotionally. And the responses I received were, in each case, a personal learning experience for me. What John told me just prior to the Maui Classic a year ago was, in essence, of course I'd like to be playing more, but I've concluded that if my role is to add depth and to provide playing minutes when the team needs me for that purpose, I'd rather do that as a member of a good basketball team, which this one certainly is. Sean's response just a couple of weeks ago was, I'm just grateful to be in a BYU uniform. 
and contributing when I can and what I can. When the team needs me, whether in practice or in a game, I'm there. What a wonderful lesson from two very talented basketball players whose reaction could have been one of resentment. Instead, it was one of gratitude. I see my friend Roger Reed sitting over there, and I'm sure he's grateful to them as they expressed gratitude for the circumstance under which they have a relationship with the team. The most common English phrase we use to express our gratitude is a simple thank you. I've long been fascinated by the fact that the Spanish word for thank you also has another quite separate meaning. Now, I suppose that most of you, I mean, this is just part of your, uh, you're not cultured if you don't know what the word, a Spanish word for, uh, for thank you is. It's gracias. Uh, but that word, gracias, is also the plural of the noun grace. And therefore, the word itself implies a full range of virtues and characteristics related to human decency and kindnesses, including courtesy, civility, and genuine concern for other people. Now, I know that the fact that the Spanish word is used as the basic expression of gratitude is also a noun that embraces generally those qualities of civility and kindness is surely pure coincidence. But it is also a convenient, even if coincidental, reminder of the breadth of human virtues, the breadth of human virtues that we develop when we practice gratitude. But at the same time, gratitude also involves more than simple human kindness and courtesy. Righteousness itself is involved. In describing to Timothy the signs of human deterioration that would characterize the last days, Paul predicted that people would become unthankful and unholy, implying, I believe, that there is a direct linkage between unthankfulness on the one hand and unholiness on the other, and therefore between thankfulness and holiness. Well, the most important question is, of course, how can we progress from theory to practice, from these good ideas to doing it? How do we get ourselves beyond simply observing that gratitude is such a good thing and ingratitude such a bad thing? How do we move to the next step of actually doing something about it and adding gratitude to the list of virtues that we practice, in fact, and thereby making ourselves better total people, more thankful and therefore more holy. I think that it's the two steps are fairly simple. Part of the problem is simply one of recognition. That is, I don't think very many of us practice ingratitude as a deliberate vice as one might offend either the word of wisdom or principles of sexual morality because he or she chooses to do so for pleasure. Rather, it is simply that we overlook and bypass positive opportunities to practice gratitude as an affirmative and consistent part of what we are. My favorite example of ingratitude 
and one which demonstrates that inadvertence is probably one of its root causes, involves the ten lepers whom the Savior healed. Luke reports, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And you all know the significance of that fact. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. You know something? I think that report by Luke, one leper out of ten who even bothered to come back and say thank you, may be a fair statistical measure of what we might call the Human Gratitude Index, not only 2,000 years ago, but today as well. Indeed, in today's world, I would guess that 10% would probably be an overly optimistic estimate. I believe that the first hurdle, therefore, is to conquer simple inadvertence. We're just not as aware as we ought to be. We need to make a conscious effort, because there are people for whom we should be grateful, and opportunities that are all around us to express that gratitude. A simple awareness of those people in those circumstances will not come easily or naturally, as the story of the Ten Lepers illustrates. But we can work at it, and like all worthwhile things, we will be happier and better people if we will make that effort. Conquering inadvertence, that is to say, making ourselves more aware of the problem, is not the complete solution, however, to overcoming ingratitude. It gets us partway there by bringing us to an inward consciousness of the debt of gratitude we owe to others. But there is, I believe, also another element. Gratitude must be not only felt inwardly, but also expressed outwardly. And for most of us, for some unexplainable reason, even those of us who express ourselves rather liberally on most subjects, expressing ourselves on this one is uncommonly difficult. And this reality was illustrated very well by my colleague D. Anderson in a Thanksgiving devotional address he delivered in this building in 1985. He reported that at a time when he worked at the church office building in Salt Lake, he frequently found himself arriving at the parking lot at about the same time with another individual whom he had admired for many years, but to whom he had never been able to express his feelings of admiration and gratitude. In Brother Anderson's words, each time I entered the building and climbed on the elevator together, I found myself tongue-tied. I could hardly stammer, good morning, much less, oh, how I admire you, or... Thank you for all you've done and are doing for me. Think about it. You've had the same experience. Finally, Brother Anderson, in his words, quote, took a pen in hand and in longhand wrote a short note that expressed his feelings. A few days later, he received the following response. Dear D, that was one of the sweetest notes I've ever received, and I appreciate hearing from you. I am indeed grateful to be so close to you, and I hope that we may see each other once in a while. May the Lord bless you and assist you in all your efforts 
with kindest wishes, faithfully yours. And whose signature do you think was at the bottom of that note? We all recognize the name. Spencer W. Kimball. D concludes, Oh, how President Kimball blessed my life because I took the time and had the courage to say thank you. These, then, are the two steps that I offer as a formula for adding the noble virtue of gratitude to our individual inventory of personal moral strengths. First, we recognize the problem, and then we take affirmative steps to do something about it. Those are very simple steps to state. And at an abstract level, they're also very easy to understand. But as experiences from the days of the ten lepers down to D. Anderson's time demonstrate, neither is easy to accomplish. In conclusion, then, let me set the example and begin personally, right now, to practice what I have today been preaching and express a few things for which I'm grateful. I'm thankful for my family. With each passing year, I grow more aware of just how important they are to me. Grateful that most of them are here today. Let me tell you something that happened just a few weeks ago. It sounds like a very simple thing. I hope I can express adequately how it affected me. It was a Sunday afternoon, and following dinner, instead of reading the scriptures in the usual way, we just went around the table, and from the oldest down to the youngest, including one of the grandchildren, asked each to read his or her favorite scripture and then make a brief comment as to why it was a favorite. It was a completely ordinary experience. And yet as I listened to them, and particularly to their expressions of why that particular scripture meant so much to them, my gratitude intensified for family members who not only understand the scriptures, but are committed to the eternal principles for which they stand. Nothing in this world, I think, brings quite the same joy as do loving family members who share common values, common understanding, and common devotion. I'm grateful for Brigham Young University. I appreciate the superb undergraduate preparation that I received here as a student. Preparation for law school, preparation for life. An atmosphere that builds great faith at the same time it stimulates the mind. I'm grateful to the faithful tithe payers around the world whose contributions provide for about 70% of the cost of this unique education. It was true during my day and is true during yours. Among my list of things for which I'm grateful, this one is easy to overlook. And so I deliberately remind myself of it from time to time. I'm also grateful to the students of your generation, for each of you, individually, and for some of your groups. I was reminded of that again this morning. I'm grateful for our touring groups, for our athletic teams, for such magnificent performances as our volleyball team, our women's volleyball team, has recently had. I remember the great surge of emotion leading even to tears that I experienced last April conference when the combined choirs announced as the BYU choirs sang in general conference. I'm grateful for the loyalty, the competence, 
the encouragement and the love that I enjoy from my professional colleagues at BYU, including the members of the President's Council, every single person who is seated on the stand today, the faculty and staff, and my two colleagues with whom I work on a daily basis, Janet Calder and Jan Nelson. I'm grateful that in my present employment, as in none other that I've ever had in my life, Janet is also a professional colleague in many significant ways. In addition to the enjoyable aspects of that fact, she is quite simply very good at what she does, all the way from giving devotional talks to raising money, formulating and implementing new ideas, serving on committees, and hosting. And for that competence and that devotion, I am also grateful. I'm grateful for little things, things like food, water, clothes, and a warm house, and the fact that unlike so many people in the world and also unlike some of my ancestors, I've never been deprived of any of those. I'm grateful that for 55 years there was no damage to the nerves in my legs, and I was privileged to participate in the many joys that healthy legs can bring. I'm also grateful for life itself, for the fact that being relegated now to walking rather than running appears to be my most serious health challenge. Brothers and sisters, the business of BYU is education. We have come here to learn. The education for which we strive here reaches a broader range of learning than at other universities. Let me challenge each of us to make a conscious effort to include within that broader range of things to be learned at BYU an increase in our determination to practice gratitude, to enhance our appreciation for other people and for abundant blessings. May we deliberately strive to be more like D. Anderson on the day he wrote that note to President Kimball more like the one leper who came back to say thank you, less like the nine who did not, and less like the pretzel merchant whose only response was that the price had gone up for pretzels she did not supply. It will not be easy. Quite simply, for most of us, gratitude is not something that develops naturally. It takes effort. But as prophets, both ancient and modern, have reminded us, expenditure of that effort is worthwhile because we are dealing with one of the most important of all human virtues and one of the most common of all human deficiencies. And may we remember, as Paul reminded Timothy, gratitude is tantamount to holiness, so that when we enlarge our capacity for gratitude, we are also enriching our entire souls. Be conscious of people and circumstances all around you, family members, roommates, professors, classmates, and others who are really deserving of your gratitude, and then buck up your courage enough to tell them how you feel. That we may extend that positive effort is my prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Join us every weekday for a half hour of inspiration and spiritual focus. Today's theme was thankfulness. Rex E. Lee gave his devotional entitled Overcoming Ingratitude. 
Speeches on Finding Center are often edited for broadcast. Find links to the full talks and access the rest of our Finding Center episodes on the free BYU Radio app, available wherever you get your apps. Finding Center is a production of BYU Broadcasting.